Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Fresh Dot, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Landbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt with our senior pastor, Carl Landbauer. Hi, Rick. Good to be back. And with Angela Axman. Hi, Rick. It's good to be here with you guys again today on this Wednesday, July 26th. And uh, as we continue in these texts this week, under the banner of the parable of the two sons, Today we find ourselves in Paul's epistle, first epistle to Corinthians, chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 54 to 58 today. Yeah, this chapter is the resurrection chapter, uh, one of a couple chapters that I point people to uh, when in time of grief, because it is such a powerful look at our sure and certain future, that as Jesus has risen, we also will rise. And so as we get to the end of this chapter, Paul is writing about... Uh, are perishable bodies that have to undergo a transformation. And and so in verse 54, uh, we read, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I think that the devotion in the book for today uses verse 58 as the text, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it easily lends itself to the parable of the two sons because when you have okay again i'm reading from the niv the phrase is all you always give yourselves fully to the work of the lord because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain and so as we think about that son who went to work at his father's command after initially saying no i Mm -hmm. will not go for whatever reason changed his mind and went to work And so Paul is reminding us here that as we work and we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, it won't be wasted. Our our work will never be wasted. Yeah, which is, I love that because where in life do you get a guarantee that your effort is not going to go to waste? It's actually the whole book of Ecclesiastes is making the point that you can labor and labor and labor and labor and then it's all for nothing because you're going to die and you're going to hand it all over to somebody else and they might be an idiot and it's all for waste, but not when your labor is the Lord's labor. He's doing a work that lasts eternally and we get to be a part of that in the the opportunities we have to strengthen and encourage God's people in their faith, to raise kids who know Jesus, to support the work of churches and missions that are reaching out to, to people close to home and around the world, that this is work that's going to last forever. And it echoes um, Colossians 3 that talks about whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if working for the Lord Mm. and not for human masters. There's a joy that comes in. I mean, that's part of the way that we worship God and the way that we give thanks for what he's done for us is by turning around and saying, where can I help you? How can I be part of you? How How can I do what you do? Like the greatest form of flattery is imitation, right? So how do I work like you're working? Mm. 
so that I can show you how much I love you and how thankful I am for what you've done for me. I love the fact that you brought that passage up right after my comment, because the things I rattled off were like churchy things. And then you went to Colossians where it's whatever you do, which is recognition that God uses whatever he gives us to do, which a lot of those things are not churchy things. It's, you know, taking care of my lawn and changing diapers and whatever else it is. But when I'm doing those things to honor God, it becomes part of his work. And it also takes on significance that time I spent mowing my lawn sometimes caused me to intersect with a neighbor and build a relationship and things go places I'd never expected. And so in ways that we don't even anticipate, our work becomes the work of the Lord and a labor that's not in vain. I had wanted to go back a few verses from verse 58 because I feel like the from verses 54 through 57 we we get this lead up to that leads to that first word in verse 58 which is therefore I don't know is it in the ESV yeah therefore therefore so anytime you see that word therefore you know that something previous important had come when you see the word therefore find out what is therefore <laughs> right exactly and what Paul is, Paul is quoting Hosea here in verse 54. Uh, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Hosea 13, verse 14 says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, is, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? I will have no compassion. It's, it's God is saying, I'll have no compassion on death. <laughs> it's like he's taunting death. He's taunting the grave. Mm. And I don't know, maybe it's my personality, but I like that. I like that we've got a God who speaks so uh, victoriously. Yeah, over it's a his huge enemies. deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And it's earlier in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is labeled as God's enemy and it's the last enemy that's going to be destroyed. So Jesus came along and he was defeating demons and Jesus came along and he was defeating sin and in our lives he's doing that work but in the end death itself dies yeah it was a few weeks ago in a podcast you were quoting or referencing a sermon that Pete gave one Easter mm. when he said it's not good to, to be, be God's a, enemy to be yeah. God's enemy yeah and I love that because that is what death is death is God's enemy and I'm sure that as a pastor you've Use this verse at many a funeral, perhaps, right, as a reminder. This passage is in almost every single graveside committal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's easy. I think it's easy at uh, a lot of times in life to forget about death. We think about it when it's right in our face for some reason. You know, periodically something happens within our families or or friends, um, but we don't. I don't think it's something, at least I don't, I don't think about death all the time. Um, and yet our eternal life is what is, should be the most precious and important thing to us. And um, I like the visual that is in the word perishable when he's talking about the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable. When I hear perishable, I immediately think about food <laughs> and uh like lettuce. I'm not the only one that thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking of once the decay sets in, it goes fast and it's ugly and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. We had a 
we had a tub of vegetable oil, I guess. It wasn't butter. It was something manufactured. <laughs> Never good when you're not sure what it was. <laughs> I The point is I had put it out in the garage refrigerator because I needed to make space in our kitchen. And um, weeks later, somebody's looking for you know, butter for their waffles. And so I said, oh, I think there's more out in the garage. Go get it. And they come back in, open it. It was like poof of dust. It was, it was so, it was, it was so alive. disgustingly molded. But um, I felt real bad. But <laughs> um, the point is, like, sometimes we need to see what decay and death is because we we can easily forget by just the life that we live and trying to live a comfortable life and be happy and do good things that, that death is still a part of this life and we and um, Christ has gained victory over death and we don't have to um, be subject to that decay and that disgusting end. Yeah. As, yeah. as we've alluded to in previous podcasts, um, there's a word here in verse 54 when you were talking about the perishable and imperishable, and it's clothed uh, in the NIV. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable. Again, there's some doctrine here. There's theology that tells us that this is something we put on. Just like in Ephesians 6, we put on the whole armor of God. Um it's the the righteousness, the the identity that we have is placed on us from outside of us, and so our identity as imperishable is Christ's mm-hmm. imperishableness that we've inherited. I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Something too to point out as we talk about this, because it's just the the language in the church has been too sloppy for too long. Uh, death is a bad thing. We we are not living until finally we die and go to heaven, and then. Like as if death is like a good thing and it's the gateway into paradise. Death is a bad thing. Death is the wages of sin. Sting of death is sin. Power of sin is the law. Like like Paul says here, the the good thing is the resurrection. That's when death is undone, and that's when paradise is is a physical reality that we can experience with physical bodies. And that's what First Corinthians fifteen is all about: is the resurrection of the body. And so, uh, just to say it real clearly, when I die, my soul goes to heaven. My body stays here. That's better than life here because I have rest from the, the sins and the dangers and the fears of this world. But it's not the final hope. We are still waiting for that day when Jesus returns. My soul, my body will be reunited. I will live forever in a new heavens and a new earth. That's what we're looking forward to. And that is the day of final victory yeah. for which we long. And that's what Paul is speaking to in verse 57. Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. He gives us that victory. So I think if I can turn this towards the parable a little bit, it my mind goes to, you have these these two brothers and the one says, oh, sure, I'll go. And then he never gets around to it. And when I think about why that often happens in life, you know, I, I have good intentions, but I don't actually carry out what God would have me do. A lot of times it's because I get distracted by this world, either by, by fears and worries or by pleasures and things that, that sound more appealing. And it becomes a little bit of trying to grab that glorious future and have it right now. Instead of recognizing now is the time for work and the day to, to enjoy God's good creation in all of its fullness is going to come when Jesus returns. So 
Not that there's not a place for enjoying life, but when it's at the expense of God's commands, then that's a problem. Well, well stated. Which really drives us into our uh, rejoice, repent request, because I think as we have expressed in verse 57, there, the victory that we have in Christ is certainly what we have to rejoice of in it, that's our new identity. That's how God has. That's how God sees us now as as risen and victorious children. And I think you also very adequately, very properly expressed what our repent needs to be. That we tend to uh, put false expectations on this life mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as what it truly is. That our true victory and our our true um, freedom f- from sin will come in the life to come. Yeah, I think about that phrase, uh, you only live once. And the idea is you only get one chance to go enjoy as much of this world as you can enjoy. And and here, Paul gives us the exact opposite mentality, right? Therefore, since you have eternity, since the perishable is going to be clothed with the imperishable, since you are immortal, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So it's almost like you only live once, so get to work, because mm-hmm. you only get one chance to do a work that's going to have eternal implications. So It made me think of how that phrase, you only live once, was actually used at one time to help sell beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think it was Schlitz or something like, you only go around once in life, therefore you got to grab all the gusto you can mm-hmm. and, in their mind, grabbing all the gusto meant buying their beer. Mm-hmm. So thank you for setting me straight on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul's got a different way to think yeah. about it. <laughs> so getting back to the topic, um, I would say there's also a, a repent that goes hand in hand with the request in that um, the language in verse 58 is active language like that you have to choose. You have to choose to stand firm. You have to choose to let nothing move you. Like it, it takes effort on your part. And to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord is allowing uh, selfish reasons to take a backseat to, to serving God, really. And I would repent that I don't do that easily or it's not my second or it's not my first or second nature it's probably my 10th <laughs> nature and it's uh, jesus nature actually yeah <laughs> right and so the um the request would would be for um more kind of as always a, just more of a heart like his that that is drawn to that sort of motivation and um the strength to act that out yeah it strikes me thinking about the, the passage from earlier this week from Matthew with the woes to the Pharisees. And I think, I think one of the things Jesus labeled as finding inside of them was, was selfishness. That for all of their rigorous, we're keeping the law and denying ourselves this and denying ourselves that, there's actually this selfish desire to accumulate the praises of people or something along those lines. And, and so as a result, they're not abounding in the work of the Lord. And uh, that that's another place to to recognize in a more subtle way a need to repent that I'm I'm pursuing 
something, even something pious at times that is keeping me from actually abounding in love, love for God, love for my neighbor, the sacrificial care for others. Um, so repentance, and then, like you said, a request that God would cultivate that in me and, and that he would keep my eyes on the truth about what is eternal, what lasts, and what really matters. This moment is so fleeting, so why not use it well since I'm going to have all of eternity? And knowing that while you work, nothing is in vain. Yeah. I think that that alone should motivate us to be all in and just throw ourselves headlong into the work that God gives us to do. Yeah. We have nothing to lose. So, all right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for joining us. We uh, hope that you will reflect and meditate on 1 Corinthians 15 today, especially these last verses from 54 to 58. Really um, meditate on them and let them melt into your heart so that they can uh, sustain you uh, throughout your day. And we will see you again back here tomorrow with uh, another text under the banner of the parable of the two sons. See you tomorrow.